0: The people are represented by two separate but equally obsessed attorneys. This is their podcast.
1: Hi, I'm Ceci. And I'm Angela. And this is the Bravo Docket. Welcome back, everyone. This is our emergency recording... We're super excited. Federal crimes. Federal crime. I think everyone knows what this podcast episode is going to be about. And if you don't know, Jen Shaw from The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City was arrested on March 30th. It's a huge deal. We were supposed to be covering Mary Cosby in this episode, but this is just piping hot news. We had to like... Stop it and go ahead and do this. Yeah. That is still on its way, but, like, this is... Oof. <laughs> like, wh- what do you... What do I say? Like, it's all we've been able to talk about. Yeah. I can't... I wake up and I think about it. She got arrested I, during filming. During filming. During filming. For something that I didn't think she would get arrested for, I thought she would get arrested for, like, hitting someone or something.
2: Yeah, like, like, assault, battery, you know, one of those things, something like that. I mean, we've seen the leaked footage of, like, the freakouts that she has on her, uh, like, faux assistants. I don't know. we have seen her break wine glasses. We've seen her commit, like, misdemeanor battery against Heather. So, so we could have yeah. been any—we would have thought just that one of this. you know, standard housewife misdemeanor is what I was kind of expecting. Yeah. I also thought maybe Mary would be getting arrested before. I, I do want to say, though, I predicted that someone from Salt Lake City was going to jail. Like, I predicted it. <laughs> I just did, did not. I didn't think it was going to be
1: necessarily. Jen wasn't off the list. I did, She wasn't, like, at the top, though. And not for this. I guess for those who don't know and who don't watch, Jen Shaw is a cast member of The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, Salt Lake City is the newest franchise to join the Real Housewives. So the cast was entirely new for the first season, and the entire cast returned. Jen Shaw was a Muslim. I think she's the first Muslim Real Housewife. And completely unclear what her business was. I think everyone questioned how she made her money. She always was very defensive about it, was like, why are you questioning this? Is it because I'm a person of color? I just like, always
2: assumed she didn't have a business and she was like all like many of the other housewives who just don't want to admit that they don't work and have like a fake you know business like they like oh I do this I'm a I am an entrepreneur that right doesn't really yeah. actually do anything and I didn't necessarily think there's anything nefarious about it I thought it was
1: just her wanting to be like I'm I'm a girl boss I work right like her casting audition tape was like I work and I don't like women who don't work and I spend $50,000 a month. It was very interesting. So, but, but at the reunion, she was asked like, what do you do? And it was like some nonsense about marketing and advertising sales. The word algorithm, I
2: believe. Algorithm.
1: (laughs) (laughs) She's like, we're all like, "Uh uh-huh. Blah, 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 algorithm, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Yep. So I guess now we all know what her business was. It's
2: still, I mean, even the indictments are vague. Because the businesses weren't real, but let's go ahead and like get into it. I guess we should talk about like, okay, her husband played for the University of Utah, then he went to Mm -hmm. law school, then he was a football analyst, like on TV, and now he is a coach for the University of Utah. He's the cornerbacks, co special teams coordinator for the University of Utah.
1: he, He did practice at a, um, small personal injury firm for a bit and then was an agent. His license has been suspended, but just because he doesn't pay his bar fees. I think it's just like perfectly normal to stop paying your fees if you just aren't practicing anymore. I don't think there's anything sketchy going on there. There
2: isn't. A lot of attorneys, and I will say a lot of attorneys do that. If you get a non-attorney job and to get reinstated, all you have to do is pay the fee and submit things to whatever state it is saying that you don't have any ethical violations against you and that you haven't, you know, committed
1: crimes or whatever. Right. And it seemed like he was, like, very sports-focused. Like, I know people that have gone to law school, become sports attorneys, and then become agents, and then stop practicing. Yeah, that's the dream. He got what he wanted. Yeah, (laughs) he got the dream. dream. Like, he's essentially working in-house for sports. Yeah. Anyway, so, here's what happened with Jen Shaw. March 30th, she was arrested alongside Stuart, what's his last name? Stuart Smith. Smith. On federal criminal charges of conspiracy to commit wire fraud in connection with telemarketing and conspiracy to commit money laundering. The indictment was filed in the Southern District of New York by the Manhattan U.S. Attorney Audrey Strauss. Southern District of New York is like the epicenter for white-collar crimes. That is where I think most of white-collar crimes are litigated. There's a substantial amount of disfavorable case law to those who commit white-collar crimes in New York. And I think there's a lot of questions that I've seen or that we've received about why this was filed in the Southern District of New York instead of in Utah or another jurisdiction. jurisdiction. So can you speak to that?
2: Yeah. So jurisdiction wise, it's in federal court. So in a case like this, jurisdiction would be, is it a state crime or federal crime? This is a federal crime. It's going to be in federal court. And so it's federal. It's obviously federal court. So then you go to venue. Is venue appropriate? And venue is basically, okay, yes, this is a federal crime, but this should be prosecuted in the state because it would be more convenient for blah, 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 or whatever, or wherever the crime was committed. And everyone in this case has been charged is charged with conspiracy. And conspiracy is probably the most common federal crime. And I'll get into that later and explain like an outline of conspiracy and what it is um, and why it's so popular to charge people with conspiracy. But in this instance, the venue is appropriate in the Southern District of New York because the Supreme Court has observed in passing that venue is proper in any district in which an overt act in furtherance of the conspiracy was committed, even where an overt act is not a required element of the conspiracy offense. So basically venue is proper for a conspiracy prosecution wherever an overt act occurs. And having looked at the pleadings in this case, the initial charge, um, and the people that have already pled guilty. It looks like the people that were masterminding it were all in New Jersey and New York, and so it's also more convenient for the prosecutors to allege venue there.
1: And it's probably, but like I said, they have the most favorable case yes. law. Yeah, oh no, they're they're going to use the strategic advantage too. Mm-hmm.
2: But I'd say it's also appropriate under the other circumstances, not just like strategic. It's where probably the most overt acts were committed and near where the majority
1: of the people reside that are being charged. Mm -hmm. One thing I thought was really interesting was that, so the, the New York Department of Justice issued a press release once the arrest happened. And in it, the U.S. Attorney's Office gave a quote, the Department of Homeland Security gave a quote, and the New York Police Department Commissioner gave a quote. They were all working together to bring these charges against Jen Shaw. So this is, like, a big deal. The fact that three different distinct agencies were coming together to bring these charges against her is, like, this is serious. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, I mean, the what they were doing, it sounds like... By all accounts, um, the press releases from the various agencies, the news stories, the like main superseding indictment, that they went out of their way to target vulnerable elderly,
1: persons who are the most at risk for these types of scams. So do you that, want to give an overview of what happened? What is being alleged here? What, what's the facts?
2: So what it looks like from, I mean, the indictments are fairly vague. They're not giving a ton of detail in them and a lot more specific details will come out later, but it looks like what's going on is that the people involved in this were selling fake business services to people many of whom were over the age of 55. And then, according to the indictment, hundreds of victims were tricked into investing into shady projects and business services. Sometimes they wouldn't even own a computer, and they wouldn't even need these business services. And then... Even worse, the actual services didn't exist. And then after they got their information and their details, they would then create these lead lists. Then they would sell these leads to other telemarketers that were also perpetuating the scheme and give out their information and have them call them and get them to give them more money for additional scam services. And then when the people got into debt, they would offer debt consolidation services through a different company and the debt consolidation services were also fake. So it's just really bad. It's, it's awful. And there's some, um, I mean, they offered coaching services, business opportunity schemes. They literally, within the conspiracy, were calling the websites money-sucking websites. That's in the superseding complaint. Like Uh, the defendants, Brewster, for example, provided lead lists generated through a website referred to by Brewster and other co-conspirators as the money-sucking website or MSW. It's,
1: pretty terrible. Right. And then once we'll just say Jen for purposes of the talking about the facts, like once Jen got their information, sold it to the other sketchy business, they would take a cut of the profit that that shady business would obtain from scamming their contacts. So it was like she yeah. scammed them, sold the information they scammed them, and she got money from that scam as well. So yeah, it, was it like... looks
2: like a pyramid scheme almost. Or, I mean, the way it's described in the and again, this is all what's been alleged in the indictments. The way it's alleged in the indictments makes it look like this is a multi-level marketing or pyramid-type scheme where the people that were generating the lead lists would then sell those lead lists or decide who got the lead lists, and then those they were the downline, and then the downline would have to give part of their profits to the people— that sold them the lead list and Jen Shaw and Stuart Smith are two of the people that were alleged to be in MLM terms, the upline.
1: <laughs> I know. It's like, ugh. And then something interesting that Dana from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills uncovered back in December, so before anyone knew about this arrest or anything, was that Jen Shaw's former company, Prosper Inc., had ties to Trump University, which um, if people aren't familiar with, Trump licensed his name to this university quote unquote, university that kind of did similar actions where they would sell business services that actually never came to fruition. And they're involved in class action lawsuits right now. So it seems like maybe this is total speculation, but Jen may have learned some of her scheming skills from her time at Prosper working with Trump University. Instead of being appalled by the behavior, she may have taking it as a learning opportunity to get her own sketchy business (laughs) off the ground. Yeah, it's hard
2: to tell from the indictments so far. I mean, so several people were indicted first. Like at least, let me look at this. You have to count them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So there were 10 people that were indicted before Jen and Stewart. Uh, Stu Chains, I guess, is his nickname <laughs> <laughs> given to him by Jen. So 10 people were indicted first. And I have, knowing how federal prosecutions work, I have no doubt that as soon as they got indicted, they were saying, do you have additional information? Can you give us facts on who else is involved with this? So on and so forth. And at least four, let's see, one, two, three, at least four of those 10 have already entered guilty pleas and they've all pled guilty to count one which is the conspiracy to commit wire fraud and so they no doubt led them to jen and stewart and some other people i'm sure will end up getting indicted in this oh so i did do some research to find out like because i was curious as to what the companies were like the fake companies mm, mm-hmm. and what's it looks like is one was called Blank Canvas, and this is just, again, alleged. One is called Blank Canvas. Um, another alleged company is National Business Development. Another alleged company is an Atlantic Business Company. <laughs> another one is Success Business Services. Or developments. It's these are all very vague names. <laughs> one of the one of the women at one so there's a husband and wife that have been indicted. And one of the women that was indicted, her and LinkedIn in, this says what her company was.
1: I don't know if you've ever watched Bojack Horseman, but that kind of reminds me of like there's this character that's a kid basically like standing on top of two other kids wearing a trench coat and he starts <laughs> dating one of the characters. And his okay. name is Vincent, adult man. And he's like, I just got home from doing business. And it's like, that's just sort of the running joke because he's like a child and doesn't know what business is. But that kind of all these business names remind me of that.
2: Okay. I've heard that show's really good. I haven't watched it, but that's exactly what it's like. It's like real business company. Yeah. Not, not fake, a scam business. <laughs> not a scam business actual real business company this is not good oh loyal nine marketing is so there's a husband and wife that have both pled guilty and interesting uh, the husband pled guilty first i hope he didn't sell his wife out but she was already indicted so she's probably already oh good warlock is meowing again he always likes to <laughs> meow during our podcast so Derek larkin and maddie Cirillo, our husband and wife, Derek Larkin, was the first to plead guilty in the big indictment of the 10 people. He pled guilty on January 21st, 2021. So the air date of the first season of several episodes of The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, I thought this was interesting. These episodes were airing. So like Hip Hop and Heartbreak aired on January 6th, In Hot Water aired on January 13th. All bets are off aired on january 20th so like these people are getting indicted in this and as the season is airing so i don't i don't know what jen shaw did yeah. this but it's like i can't imagine like watching yourself on tv and then seeing your co-conspirators get like knowing that they're getting arrested or whatever
1: yeah so. i mean that would explain her very angry reactions to people also the all those titles that you just read off are so uh i know i don't know They're like, uh, what is it? What's the word? Very foreshadowy. Yeah.
2: Yeah. In hot water, all bets are off. Sinners Uh. in the city. These
1: Uh. are the episode titles.
2: (laughs) These are the episodes that are airing as people, as co-conspirators in the scheme, are getting arrested by federal agents. That is, that's very eerie. Yeah.
1: So something I wanted to note is that it kind of seems like obtaining people's personal information and selling it for advertising purposes or other purposes isn't technically illegal. It's kind of this gray area, though. It's very easy to cross into an activity that is illegal. So you can obtain people's personal information as long as they're opting in and know that that is what they're doing. Of course, sometimes it's like, you know, fine print when you like sign up on a website and it's like very fine print that you can't really read or see. Yeah. And it says by signing up for this, you're opting into us like selling your information or using your information for other purposes. And people sign up and unknowingly click it and say, okay, like that's fine. But here it's alleged that she didn't even do that. She created these fake businesses. There was no like you're signing you're you're opting into this. It was the fake business, the sole purpose was to collect the information and it was completely deceitful.
2: Yeah, and it's I think it's alleged that she knew the other businesses were fraudulent that she was selling the the lead list to.
1: I mean that's this is all what's alleged. Yeah, right. that's, that's bad.
2: <laughs> it's really right. bad.
1: Right. So not only were they like sending up to the website not knowing that they were giving away their information for a different purpose, they didn't even get the business advice that they thought they were supposed to get. It's like a double whammy. And then now they got like a million other spam calls probably. Oh yeah. So Yeah. Everyone has been asking us if we think they're going to be using things that Jen Shaw said on the show as evidence or use it against her. And I'm like, heck yeah they are. Like what what are your thoughts? I mean, the federal court's pretty good about actually following the federal rules of
2: evidence, so it's gonna have to be admissible otherwise. Um but yeah. I would say In sentencing, that information and clips could absolutely be used by a prosecutor to argue for a, what's called like an upward departure from the sentencing guidelines, saying like, look, this Mm -hmm. person, this person not only was doing this, they were flaunting it. And here's why I think that we should depart from the sentencing guidelines and punish this person even further.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah. And you're right, like her defense counsel will fight it tooth and nail, probably like an emotion eliminate or something. Another interesting thing in the press release was that um, Jen and Stewart actually under... They say this, quote, undertook significant efforts to conceal their roles in the business opportunity scheme. So they used encrypted messaging apps to send messages about this business. They instructed their participants to do the same. They used offshore bank accounts. So, I mean, some people i've seen have been like well maybe she didn't know it was illegal but so here's the thing
2: so shaw and smith were indicted like they were arrested what two days ago three days ago what day is it today i don't know we've lost <laughs> track of time Two days ago. Yeah. Two days ago. Okay. So the initial indictment for the other co-defendants, the initial like 10 co-defendants was November 19th, 2019. Okay. So this is just giving like a basic timeline to set up what I kind of think is going on here and why they have so much information about how Jen and Stuart, Stu Chains were hiding, they're trying to hide this information. So that's November nineteenth, two thousand nineteen, 2019, when they were able to indict several of these people. So that's a that's a while ago, right? Then it's not until March thirtieth, twenty twenty one, that they actually arrested Jin and Stu Chains. So that's considerable time that has passed. In the meantime, several of them have pled guilty. Now the ones that haven't pled guilty, that doesn't mean that they don't have an agreement with the prosecutors to be informants or to be cooperators. And so what the prosecutors could have done is gone to them and been like, "What?" information can you give us in exchange for Mm -hmm. a lighter sentence? You know, how, Mm -hmm. how can you cooperate with us to prove that blah, 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 whatever, we should reduce your sentencing. We can recommend a downward departure in your sentencing guidelines or going up to the person that has the most to lose, perhaps because they have prior offenses and saying, look, you're looking at this much jail time, No matter what. This is what the Mm -hmm. sentencing guidelines say, and we've got you. So what can you do to help us that would make us want to recommend less? So because so much time has gone on, they were probably, and I'm just saying, there were probably uh, cooperators that were saying, okay, I will give you my, I will help you. I will help you collect information Mm -hmm. on these people. Oh, and by the way, two of them are on a TV show flaunting this. Right. So because they're saying in the indictment against Jin Shaw and Stu Chains, they're saying that they have like this encrypted information and offshore bank accounts and blah, blah, blah. That was likely a cooperator corresponding with them and or talking to them on the phone or doing whatever. Mm -hmm. And you know, wearing a wire or author, you know, the, the feds are recording the phone calls. If it wasn't in person, you know, if it was over the phone, yeah. e- emails, everything, and giving that information in order to basically deliver gin and Stu Chains up to the feds. Mm-hmm. So yeah, over a year
1: and a half of investigation went yeah. into this. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So do you want to talk about what the charges here are? What What is conspiracy? So conspiracy is
2: one of the most often prosecuted crimes in federal court. And essentially, the crime of conspiracy requires an agreement between two or more persons to do something unlawful. The crux of the crime is the agreement to violate the law. And so the feds can prosecute whether or not the agreed to crime is actually committed. There's no agreement, there's no crime. So the crime is the agreement, not even the actual crime. And that makes sense and it also makes it appealing to federal prosecutors for a lot of reasons. Like, say, for example, my husband and I decide to rob a bank. In order to commit a conspiracy, to commit a federal crime, we don't have to, like, say out loud or, like, sign a contract saying we agree to commit this federal crime on this day. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. if we went and, like, bought masks and arranged for a getaway driver and there's conversations of us talking about who's going to go in and do what during the robbery – Then we can be charged with the conspiracy to commit the crime, and essentially it's going to have the same consequences as if we had actually robbed the bank. And by charging as a conspiracy, the feds don't have to wait for someone to get endangered. They don't have to wait for, you know, two people to walk into a bank, actually wave guns around to charge them with it. And they also get a lot of other benefits, at least from the prosecution side By that charge. Like one of the things we talked about earlier was venue. So it gives the feds more selection of venue, like anywhere an overt act. Like, so say we had discussed or met with somebody that was going to help us commit the robbery, like a -hmm. robbery consultant or something in Mm -hmm. a place where the venue is extremely good for. Whatever reason to the federal prosecutors, that's an overt act in furtherance of the conspiracy. And so they could choose that as the venue and have a legal basis for it. Also, like the law of conspiracy allows admission of evidence that would not otherwise be available. The statute of limitations is typically five years for federal crimes, I I believe, I haven't done federal criminal defense in a while, but conspiracy continues. So that gives like extends the time out. So if you are planning to, you know, to rob a bank and you're meeting with people over like a year and a half, because you're like, really want this robbery to go really well. And mm-hmm. those are overt acts in furtherance of the conspiracy. And so it's not like a single event that would limit the statute of limitations to a specific date.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: So that's pretty appealing to federal prosecutors. Mm -hmm. 18 United States Code Section 371 is the general conspiracy statute. If anyone wants to look it up, it's available online if you're just super interested in conspiracies.
0: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it.
1: Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's Bombus.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Legal team. Have you guys been on Quince's website recently? I shopped on there like three years ago for the first time and bought myself a bunch of cashmere sweaters. I lived in the black cashmere sweater, lived in it. And I hadn't shopped on there for a while because my cashmere sweaters lasted for a really long time. But I decided to go back on there and oh my gosh, have they completely expanded everything that they offer. The workwear, they have washable silk. And I mean it's so affordable. I also shared with you all that I'm recently engaged and I'm in the middle of wedding planning. So anytime I'm shopping, I'm thinking about wedding, 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 wedding. And they have everything I need for the wedding. I just booked my honeymoon. We're gonna go to Southeast Asia. It's gonna be hot there. And I've been looking for good linen pieces. Guess what? Quince has good linen pieces and they start at only $30. Then I'm like, okay, we need to get our wedding bands. You know who has fine jewelry now? 14 karat gold quince. So I send the link to Avery and I'm like, you have to get your wedding band from here. It's affordable and it looks just like any other wedding band. I mean, it looks great. Another thing I'm doing, again, I have wedding on the brain. I want to look my best. So I'm like, okay, I really want cute little matching sets to go work out in. It's the only way I can get motivated. I have to like wear a cute little matching set. I've gone really into Pilates and guess what? Quince has the matching sets. They look identical to matching sets I've already purchased from another sports brand. They have the same thing. And at a fraction of the cost, I was able to get two tops and one pair of pants for the same price that I could only get one set at this other sportswear place. I mean, come on. Quince is just killing it. If you've shopped there before, it's time to go back on again. They have just completely expanded the categories of goods that they have to offer. They're not just all about cashmere sweaters anymore. They've got a ton of stuff and I highly recommend you go check it out. If you're ready to go try out Quince, go to quince.com slash docket to get free shipping and 365 day returns. That is com slash docket to get free shipping and 365 day returns. That is An amazing guarantee on their goods. So go check it out. I highly recommend it, guys.
2: So let's say that you're planning to rob a bank and you guys all just sit around and like, let's say like you're not even thinking it's actually going to happen. But you're sitting there with two people. Your friend brought you over to their house. You just met them. Maybe you're getting high. You're having a drink. And two Mm -hmm. of them are sitting there talking about how they're going to go rob this bank. You've just met these people. You think they're joking. You're laughing about it. But then one of those two people commits an overt act in furtherance of the conspiracy, goes out and, like, buys guns or something. You can be charged with the bank robbery. Like, even though you just sat there, you can be charged with it. So, again, that makes it very appealing to federal prosecutors. It's a way to bring charges against a lot of people at the same time before actual dangerous crime has been committed.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, that example that you just gave, I think that's why some people are thinking maybe like Coach Shaw, if he knew something, her husband would be charged as well. But like we were talking about, we don't think he had any knowledge of this huge scheme that Jen was involved in. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Okay.
2: So my thoughts as a person and as an attorney are aligned here. I don't think he had any idea. First of all, I think Coach Shaw is a very, he's, he seems like somebody just who is a very ethical type person that doesn't, that's meaningless. But mm-hmm. I i really feel like if he knew about it, he would have stopped it or even mm-hmm. reported her. I don't <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah. I mean, she's difficult. Maybe <laughs>
1: yeah, he
2: didn't. <laughs> Maybe he's calling the feds up being like, hey, come get my wife. <laughs> Got yeah. a conspiracy over here. I didn't do it. Right. That's it. Okay, I'm joking. But <laughs> no, so participation in conspiracy can be proved on the basis of a person's own words and actions, but not on the mere association of knowledge or wrongdoing. So I mean, the example I just gave about the people sitting in the room, it was extreme. You could be charged with a conspiracy. I'm not saying that you would be convicted mm-hmm. on that basis. However, a person's role in the conspiracy does not need to be substantial. But mere knowledge of the existence and purpose of a conspiracy does not alone establish membership in a conspiracy. So in like mm-hmm. the example I gave where everyone's sitting around, then one person goes out and commits the overt act. If you guys all got in the car together, you could say you didn't know where they were going. But yeah. you would just... That would, I would say that would be more than enough to indict you mm-hmm. for a federal conspiracy. Here's the other thing. Looking at the other people that were indicted in this, they did indict a husband and wife. They were, those were among the 10 people. And by the way, the husband that they indicted is paralyzed from the waist down. These people are young. Mm-hmm. They have a young child. The feds had no problem indicting and arresting both of them. And right. especially with the fact that Coach Shaw has a public position, I have no doubt whatsoever that the feds would have no problem indicting him and they would have arrested him already if they believed that he had anything to do with it, particularly with the detailed evidence, the indictment that was unsealed against Jen Shaw purports to have. So right. yeah. when I did some federal criminal defense, I mean, I I saw if the feds believe you're committing a crime, they will indict your grandma if they right. think that they, they, they don't have any, like, do not commit federal crimes is my point. Like, don't do right. it.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I keep seeing People being like, well, he was an attorney; he would know that she was committing these crimes, and it's like, no, he wouldn't. That doesn't give you some like sixth sense of crime knowledge. Like, he was a personal injury attorney. He well, doesn't. This
2: is, yeah, this is an obs- like like an obscure thing. Like, he would have had to do research. I mean, it took. Again, the original people were charged in November 2019, and Jen Shaw didn't get indicted and arrested until March 2021. So mm-hmm. it took the feds that long to bring this case against her. Her husband, by all accounts from everything we saw on the show, was gone a lot of the time. He didn't even go, according to Jin Shaw, to her dad's funeral. Because, right. you know, he said he went to the wake. He didn't go to the funeral. I don't think he was there. And these businesses were, like, just vague and esoteric and, you know, success business company. and
1: Yeah. And, she, I mean, she could have just been, like I said before... Part about getting personal information, if people opt in, is not illegal. She could have been telling him that that's what she was doing. Selling people's information to, like, I don't know, make money off of advertising or something. She could have framed it to him in a way that sounded very legal. Yeah. And he wouldn't have known any different. And I think it's unfair to say that people should know things because they're an attorney. We have people lie to us all the time. It's not like we have some, like, I don't know, lie detector ability to figure out when people are committing crimes. Especially even people close to us, it could still happen. When I was in private practice and when I had my own firm, when someone comes into your
2: office for a consultation about a case and starts telling you things, you don't trust anything they say. Your own clients lie to you, but that's like a specific like attorney skill that you have to work on. And that even somebody that's been practicing for a long time can get suckered in, particularly if a client comes in with what sounds like a really great set of facts and a great case. I mean, the thing they say about plaintiff's cases is that they're the best when the client first tells you about it and then they get worse and worse and worse as they (laughs) go on because more things come out. Now, I... happen to feel that I did an excellent job selecting my plaintiffs, and my cases tended to get even better. But I was able to be very judicious about what plaintiffs I selected because I did a lot of defense work. But one of the other things you learned as an attorney is to turn off your attorney brain when you get home. Because everything that makes us good at our jobs makes us fucking terrible in relationships. (laughs) Terrible. Yeah, like, the like deposing be-
1: people. Yeah. Yes, no one you're, no one
2: they are in a relationship with wants to be cross examined when they get home. And sometimes, like I've worked very hard to learn how to turn that off. And Coach Shaw doesn't. He's not even a practicing attorney
1: anymore he's no he hasn't been practicing for a long
2: time yeah so i don't i agree with you i'm saying i don't think that's fair i do think some attorneys are better than a a lay person maybe at telling when someone's lying but that's also because you just get used to thinking everything someone's saying to you is probably a lie until you can prove otherwise mm -hmm. but i don't think he knew and i saw like why would he what incentive does he have to like See if she's telling right. the truth about that or not. It's like something she does that right. ostensibly
1: was making money that's yeah. not her Someone bothering him. noted that, like, it's, like, how wouldn't he notice that she had more money?
2: I don't know. According to the indictment, she was putting things in accounts and that she was only taking out, I think there's, like, something there. She was only taking out an amount that wouldn't trigger right. a review by, like, the IRS or a bank or whatever. So, like, right. she was only taking out amounts under $10,000 at a time. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and we saw her hiding stuff from him on the show. She, like, hid that whole first party from him. I mean, we don't know what the aftermath was. It was the birthday party for Meredith. Yeah, yeah. She, like, hid it from him while he was away. That's not major, but it's like,
2: mm,
1: she probably could have hid other stuff from him.
2: I don't see, I see no evidence whatsoever that Coach Shaw knew what she was doing
1: Mm -hmm. and that it was
2: illegal, So, Mm -hmm. and I also think if he did, the feds would have arrested him already.
1: Yeah, totally agree. So something I thought would be interesting to talk about is what a grand jury indictment is and what a grand jury does, how they function, what that means here. Because that's that's essentially what happened. They had a grand jury proceeding before Jen Shaw was arrested.
2: So an indictment is a formal accusation against one or more defendants, charging them with one or more crimes in... The federal criminal system, the indictment, is the principal method by which a prosecutor a prosecutor initiates criminal proceedings. So for certain types of crimes and under certain conditions, the prosecutor may, instead of an indictment, rely on a criminal information or complaint to begin the case. But in this case, there was an indictment. By law, a federal indictment can only be brought, or they call it returned, by a grand jury Which is a group of 16 to 23 citizens chosen from the community. The grand jury hears evidence and testimony from witnesses presented by the prosecution. It has the power to ask questions, subpoena witnesses, and documents on its own. Once the grand jury hears the evidence, it votes to indict or not to indict based on whether or not there's probable cause to believe the defendant is guilty. So, this is uh, in that way, it's similar to a preliminary hearing um, in state court for like a felony charge, which is what you have before. Mm -hmm someone's charged with the felony. A minimum of 16 grand jurors must be present to vote, and at least 12 must vote in favor of the indictment before charges can be brought. So indictments are also really easy to get because it's just the prosecution putting on evidence. There isn't a defense there to say, no, the rules of evidence that would apply in an actual trial don't apply. There's no challenge to the prosecution side of the story. The probable cause standard is probably one of the lowest standards in law.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's like when you get arrested, the cop has to have probable cause to make that arrest. But that's what they're doing here, essentially, on a larger scale.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, an indictment is super easy to get. And I just, again, want to say just because someone's indicted, that does not mean they're guilty. That does not mean that the federal government can prove it beyond a reasonable doubt, which is an extraordinarily,
1: in my opinion, high standard. Right. So they still have a case to put on. She still has a right to defense. And we'll see how they handle that. Yeah, it's not looking good, though, with other people pleading guilty already. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, because they pled guilty. How does that, how do you think that affects her case? I mean, if they've already pled guilty to the conspiracy,
2: that is There's essentially guilt. them saying there was a conspiracy. I did participate in the conspiracy. I agree to this set of facts that proves the conspiracy. I mean, they can be witnesses against Jinshaw and Stu Chains.
1: Yeah, so Jen is facing 30 years for the conspiracy to commit wire fraud in connection with telemarketing, and then 20 years for the count of conspiracy to commit money laundering. But that is the maximum potential sentences in this case prescribed by Congress, and actual sentencing, if found guilty, will be determined by the judge. So how does sentencing work?
2: Oh, I mean, this is similar to what we described in one of our earlier podcasts. We'd probably, we'd, honestly, to really talk about this, we'd have to do a whole separate show on that. But, and I think we should probably do one when it's... Yeah, when it's time. <laughs> when it's time. <laughs> uh, for, whichever comes if, first, if. you know, <laughs> yeah. Gir- Girardi or Shaw. Right. So what will happen is, if it's a plea, you make the plea deal, the prosecutor, in this case, the federal government would recommend, he'd be like, here's the sentencing guidelines, we recommend that they be followed, or we recommend a downward departure and upward departure. And so there's certain circumstances upon which that can be agreed upon. But if there's a plea then you know, the the defendant knows what the prosecution's going to recommend. And if the prosecution recommends the plea, the prosecution puts forth the plea and says, here's why we think that this is appropriate. But the judge does not have to agree to it. Mm-hmm. The judge does not have to agree to the plea. So you still have that element of uncertainty. It doesn't happen very often, but there are times where the judge can be like, no, I think you should go to jail for this long and here's why. You know, and sometimes yeah. like, it's... Essentially, the same process after a trial, the judge does the sentencing. Like there isn't a plea that's entered, so the prosecutors recommend a sentence, and it's you know it's kind of the common understanding that if you make them go through a trial, they may recommend a harsher sentence than they would have otherwise, because supposedly when you're agreeing to a plea, it's a good deal for you, and it it's not taking up the court's time. It's not a waste of court resources. The federal sentencing guidelines are there and they are based. There's a pre-sentence investigation report, which is done. And that talks about this doesn't come into evidence at trial. Everything is taken into consideration. Any prior crimes that you've committed, Mm -hmm. your likelihood of being able to get a job, your stability in the community. There's a whole set of things that go into a pre-sentence investigation report that's put in with what the federal guidelines are. And then there's typically like here's like the sentence that is recommended based on all of those things. And then you can actually Mm -hmm. bring in witnesses to testify to, you know, extenuating circumstances and
1: things like that to say, here's Mm -hmm. why we believe this person should get a downward departure or whatever. For whatever reason, (laughs) this is coming to mind. You know, when you take those like dumb Cosmo quizzes when you were younger, (laughs) like in the magazines where it would be like, (laughs) add two points if you agree with this statement or add Mm. like subtract a point if you've never hooked up here like stuff like that yeah yeah those quizzes kind of remind me of what going through the sentencing guidelines is like it's like add a point if you've had prior charges against you or remove a point you know and then yeah they like total up the points and that kind of determines where you fall into the sentencing yeah and there are like there is a point system so yeah, so the next steps for Jen, you went over this a second ago, but so she was released. She's not awaiting this whole process in jail. She's... At least not right was, now. Not right now. She was free to go to Utah at home. She can withdraw no more than $10,000 at a time. Is that true?
2: There's order setting conditions of release, and she has to maintain or actively seek verifiable employment. Now, I what's interesting is, does her job as a real
1: housewife <laughs> count? I mean, that's that's verifiable employment. I mean, it's I think on. think that's verifiable employment. That's yeah. on camera. Were, not to deviate. People are asking if we think that she'll stay on the show. And I, yeah, I think, I mean, it's up to her. It's up to her defense. But Bravo doesn't care. I think Bravo would want her to stay on the show. I mean, hell, Erica's staying on the show. Teresa came back on the show. Oh, I just think
2: like. 100% she's yeah. going to stay on the show unless the court says she can't for whatever right. reason. But yeah. I mean, she even posted, like, she had a post, like a tweet. Was it a tweet or something that said, like, Teresa walked so I could run? Which, <laughs> well, here you go, girl. <laughs> didn't age well. I mean, I thought that was no. like, crazy. So good. Yeah. She can't travel outside the state according to the conditions of release. She can't travel outside the state of Utah without prior permission from the pretrial officer, which, if people remember, Teresa from Real Housewives in New Jersey, when she got out of jail she got for i think i think it was after she got a jail, she got permission she had to get permission to go to miami when they went on that trip um so you can get permission and since it, it has to do with her job and if jen is using this as her proof of employment her real housewives job it's she's saying i have to
1: go she could probably get permission to go And i mean staying and filming real housewives in utah is perfect like yeah she doesn't really have to leave anywhere she could stay in her closet like mary
2: So she's going to lose Stu Chains because she cannot, a condition of her release is that she could not have any contact with any persons named in the uh, conspiracy. So she cannot have any contact with Stu Chains except through counsel. So she's, she's losing her, you know, number one, fake assistant Stu Chains. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank God
1: she has others.
2: He's going to be off the show. Oh, she has to agree to submit to searches of her vehicle, residence, offices, additional conditions. Defendant is not to dissipate cash or assets from any personal or corporate account. She controls in excess of $10,000 or more per transaction, except for legal costs. In the case, without prior consent, defendant cannot engage in telemarketing, lead generation for telemarketing, (laughs) fulfillment for telemarketing, or direct others to engage in any of those
1: activities. So she has a problem with telemarketing. (laughs) Keep her away. Another question we got is whether they think they'll use the footage that they got from the arrest. Oh, yeah. I guess, yeah, I said totally. 100%. Yeah, but I cannot wait to see the footage of, like, because they thought that she was in the production van, the one that, like, Whitney, I guess, Heather and Mary, I think it was, or Lisa were in. They thought that Jen was in that car, the arresting officers or whatever. So they got pulled over. So I'm sure there's some footage there of that pullover happening. I can't wait to see it. It's going to be great. But yeah, they can, Bravo can totally use it.
2: I mean, it's in a public place. They have releases to use it. I can't see any way that it would be, I mean, it's not going to jeopardize an ongoing investigation. I I can't see any reason why they wouldn't use it or wouldn't
1: be And like, of course they're going to use it. It's going to be like ratings. And these proceedings are open to the public. Yeah. You can dial in and listen to it as a member of the public. I mean, Jen would maybe be
2: the only one that wouldn't want it used. She doesn't have any basis.
1: I can't see any possible basis for her. Right. Not. I mean, she could be the star of the season. But I, I also, I think it's up to her defense counsel. There might be a reason that they wouldn't want her to continue on the show, but maybe they would want her to continue on the show to, like, rehabilitate her image What it is it she going to do?
2: She Like, her condition of her release is that she has to seek and maintain employment. Like, what can you where can you is Jin Shaw going to go work at Kohl's? I like what is she going to do? Not that there's anything wrong with Kohl's, I'm just saying, like, I don't really see her like where, going and, and who's, gonna, to who's gonna work. How do you get a job when you're like, oh, yeah, it's a condition of my release that I have to have a job, but she hasn't been found guilty of any felonies yet, so she doesn't have to like mark that down, but
1: right, yeah, doesn't have to disclose that, I guess, just for the purpose of the. Um, Kind of seeing what the sentence will be, obviously, like, her particulars are incredibly different than these defendants. We found a very, very similar case um, where there were – it was a telemarketing scheme where they were targeting the elderly. They solicited payments over the phone – Similar thing where they had them invest in fraudulent businesses, very similar to what they're alleging against Jen Shaw. And there, multiple defendants were sentenced already. The one who got it the worst, his sentence was 87 months, which I can't do math. That is actually over seven years. And then three years of supervised release, he has to forfeit over a million dollars and pay over $500,000 in restitution. So that's not necessarily what's going to happen to Jen, but I thought it was an interesting example of a similar crime and maybe what could happen, maybe the worst that could happen. I think everyone saw the number 30 years and is thinking that she's going to go behind bars for 30 years. What do you think? Oh, I'm sure they racked up the points on that one. Like, they had a bunch of
2: prior charges mm-hmm. uh, or whatever. I I don't know if Jinshaw has any criminal history. I'm guessing it's unlikely that she... Has committed a bunch of felonies already, or else we'd probably know about it. I would say, I would say, like, that's very unlikely. They're gonna say, she's gonna say she's got children at home that need her. Um, she does, is, she's not a dangerous criminal as far as like violence, although we did see her not be not very mm. nice to Heather, you know, like, so and a cameraman, if, yeah. And then she's gonna argue that her role, well, her attorney's gonna argue that if much like Teresa. If she's allowed to come out and keep working and be on the show, she can generate income that can then pay restitution to victims. And so that that would be an argument, perhaps, that her defense attorney would make for not having her be in prison for a long time. But Mm -hmm. I don't know. We don't know all the details. Maybe she was the mastermind of this whole operation. We don't know. Yeah, but
1: it's very highly unlikely that she'll get 30 years. Yeah, Agreed. But yeah, so this is awesome for our podcast. Who knew that so many of these housewives would be having these huge legal issues come out? We did. We, this- I- <laughs> we did. You're right. We did. We did. I mean, we have like just still such a long list of like past legal cases Every to time cover. we try to like knock
2: down the list of like The past ones that we are interested in that we want to do like a deep dive on something new happens and then we can't even get like these housewives won't stop committing crimes or being charged with crimes or accused of crimes or doing civil lawsuits to even let us like get down the list of the
1: previous stuff. Right, right. And this is gonna, this is gonna continue. I feel like this is part one of many episodes, just like the Girardi lawsuit. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see what happens next and we'll keep you guys all posted and feel free to email us with questions as things arise. DM us on Instagram. We're here to answer all your questions, so.
2: Yeah, I think maybe we can start doing something where like in between episodes, maybe we ask if people have questions about things and then maybe we could even answer a couple of questions on Instagram if there's mm-hmm. just something super burning that you didn't, we didn't answer that you want to
1: know. Yeah, totally. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. Until next time. Don't commit federal crimes. Do not commit federal crimes. (laughs) Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The Bravo Docket is part of the ACAST Creator Network.